and welcome to Prickly Pen's podcast. We are three friends, three friends, three friends, three writers. <laughs> I think I'd get this right after 60 odd times, sharing not only our writing journeys, but a window into our conversations around the art of storytelling in the various formats like books, films, and video games. And today it's going to be about audiobooks and also selective topics that make us ponder or generally piss us off. This is episode 62. So let's start with introductions. Hi, I'm Gabby. Hi, I'm Julia. And I'm Michelle, and welcome to Prickly Pen's podcast. And today we have two guests. Um, we have L.L. McRae, and who's an author, and uh, R.J. Ba- Blayley? Bailey. Who, Bailey, sorry, who is a voice narrator. And we are going to deep dive into their projects because um, they both collaborated and they have their separate projects too. So um, welcome to Prickly Ben's podcast. Yay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you very much. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we begin, let's just get a general um, introduction. You tell us a little bit about yourself, Lauren. Uh, yeah, so uh, hi, I'm Lauren. As you said, I write under the name L.L. Uh, McRae. Uh, I'm an indie author. I write fantasy and I have three series, which kind of in total add up to 14 books, um, most of which wow. have been turned into audio because that's a, a format that's quite important to me. Um, and I'm, I've written since 2017. That was when I released my debut and I'm full time now. So that's all I do. I just write about magic and dragons all day long. And do a great job. (laughs) (laughs) And RJ? Uh, Yeah, I'm RJ Bailey, um, which is slightly pretentious name, but it's a hangover from when I used to write (laughs) columns for a magazine or two. Um, And I'm a voice actor slash audiobook narrator. And I say them differently because I they are essential an audiobook narrator is the same thing but I do kind of um kind of specialize in audiobook narration Uh, I've been doing this full-time for six years six and a about six years now yeah um and um I'm having a a whale of a time just getting to tell uh talented writers like Lauren's stories about magic and dragons and I absolutely love your voice. So thank you, thank you very much. Which was yeah. important to enjoying the story um, for an audiobook. <laughs> so, all right, um, we're gonna jump right in, uh, Julia. Yes, I love this section. Hello. Um, so, writing process, like what LL, what motivated you to write the Iron Curtain? Um. So I, like I said, I, I write kind of full time anyway. I think. I feel like there is such a thing as like a writing bug. And if you are bitten by it, then you will always want to write, um, regardless of what's going on in your life. Um, It's a kind of, I don't want to say a release for me, but I always feel better once I've written something. Um, And The Iron Crown was simply the latest in a long list of of ideas that I wanted to write. Um, I think my very first book that I released in 2017, that was an idea I'd had from when I was 16, just kind of rolling around in the... My mind just always there. Um, And I'm a big daydreamer. Um, I'm always kind of thinking about other things, you know, long car rides. I'm staring out the window and I'm seeing (laughs) flying alongside. It's just always there. Um, And so I try and like jot down notes and ideas. And over time, they kind of form into 
what could maybe be a plot, what could maybe be a story, and some characters mm. might jump out, um, or you know, I'll just have bits of dialogue in my head. Um, and yeah, the Iron Crumb was just the latest one. I, it it started as a collection of notes in my phone on random bits of paper, um, laptop, hey. and then I think after it had been sort of stewing for about two years. I felt I had enough to pull something from it. So then I kind of sat down and actually plotted it out and tried to get a, a coherent beginning, middle and end. Um, but that was two that, years of daydreaming and note taking before that kind of got to that stage. That's cool. so cool. And how long did it take you to write then? Uh, well, it, it was my latest book. So I feel like I have a good process down. So from yeah. start to finish which included the drafting, the editing and everything to release. It was six months, but of that I spent wow. writing the first manuscript and the rest was editing and beta reading and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I can do it quite oh quickly God. now, but it, it it's still quite mm -hmm. hard at times for sure. So you mentioned like, so it stews in your mind for like two years. And so how do you keep everything organized then if you write like things on little pieces of paper here and jot it down there? I mean, um, do you have like a notebook system? How do you keep organized? Organized is a really um, hopeful term. For <laughs> Not organized at all. Very often I will find stuff. I'll be like, oh yeah, I'd forgotten that I had that idea about that thing that I need to write it down. So I try and um, like grab them all and every so often like put them in like a google doc so it's all in one place so i have like a master yeah, list mm -hmm. of notes um but you know when mm -hmm. i'm like about to fall asleep in bed and then you know you get a light bulb moment or if you're in the shower yeah. and you're like oh your mind is kind of thinking about a scene or a character or a bit of world building i try and like get it all together in one master place but it's just on my phone or whatever I have to, happen to have to hand to begin with. Um, but many, many ideas do go missing. Um, very, very chaotic, <laughs> not organized. Really bad. I can only imagine. There must be so much information. And since this is a trilogy, do you have, like, the books plotted out beforehand, before you deep dive, or are you more of a, a pantser? Well, I, I, I like to have, like, the main points figured out. Um, and then when mm. I kind of sit down to write that kind of pantsing organic, let me go with the flow comes yeah. from a bit of both. I need to know roughly where I'm going. Um, because okay. although pants mm -hmm. writing, I find really fun and rewarding and some of like the most creative, inspiring ideas happen when you just kind of, you know, write by the seat of your pants. Um, you yes. will run out of steam. I will eventually write myself into a mm. corner and then be like, yeah 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 you're just talking that. about my life here oh my god yes I totally relate to that like do you have like the ending I do have the ending set um, okay so, okay that's one of the main yeah points. I'm writing the second book right now and I know exactly how it's going to end I know how like the mini mm -hmm. arcs like all the climaxes but getting mm -hmm. to those points I have no idea couldn't tell you no <laughs> until I write it. but I love that I love that it is very organic and surprising and probably gets you at that keyboard <laughs> honestly when you when you just and you know when it happens when it just kind of clicks and you're just in the flow mm -hmm. and you're like oh yeah this idea that I hadn't even realized I had that makes so much sense now and it's like finding mm -hmm. pieces of a jigsaw puzzle and it's so rewarding um I wish I could just turn that on and off uh, because that would be great right <laughs> but yeah when when it happens it's wonderful and you know, some of my favorite bits that I've written definitely were in that kind of pants writing zone
for sure. I just love it because so many people are like, not me. And, you know, like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah. totally get your your whole system. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, at least somebody does. <laughs> yeah. <that's- laughs> now I get the, the shower aha mm-hmm. moment. Like, I figured it out, yeah. my plot, after taking a shower. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it's because you've mentioned, like, my hair is, is dyed blue. So every other time I wash mm. it, I add more dye. And you just have to kind of sit there for, like, 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Mm. So that's the amount time. of ideas <laughs> I have had while blue is dripping off my hair it's ridiculous so yeah it's, there's something about I don't know that subconscious part that just lights up when you're yeah. doing nothing really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. relax <laughs> um so for uh you RJ in terms of the voice acting side of it um I've I play a lot of video games so I'm I love voice acting. <laughs> I just appreciate the craft. Um, but I know you said earlier there's a difference, uh, or you consider a difference between voice acting and like voice narrating. So I guess what is the difference in, or nuanced difference between the two? Well, I think for me, I don't think that, see, I don't think there really is much of a distance. It's more of a terminology thing. I think if hmm. people, I think people in by and large kind of separate an audiobook narrator from a voice actor and a voice actor does everything you know from uh commercials to corporate training films to uh video games to Mm. animation things like that um whereas uh, for some reason i feel like audiobook narrators are um have maybe self-classified i don't know um or classified in the public consciousness as as a different kind of thing or at least as Mm. a, a particular subset that tends to only do that. So I say I'm a voice actor and an audiobook narrator because I do do voice acting work, if we're using this terminology of like corporate adverts and uh, uh, mm. the odd video game mm. uh, and a bit of animation and stuff like that. Um, but I, I feel like if I just put voice actor, when there's so many people out there who advertise themselves as an audiobook narrator, they might look at my profile on my socials or whatever mm-hmm. and see voice actor and not mm-hmm. think, oh, or he could narrate mm-hmm. my audiobook. Whereas if I put voice actor and audiobook narrator, they go, oh, he could narrate my audiobook because he's an audiobook narrator. And it is definitely its own breed of um, voice acting, but just as video games are their own breed and mm. um, other things like that, you know, corporate films, stuff like that, adverts are their own breed of voice acting. So. I think it's mainly a terminology thing. Um, but obviously with voice acting, you know, the difference you were asking about while, sorry, with uh, audiobook narration, the difference is generally you do every single voice. Um, mm-hmm. You have to kind of do the prep <laughs> for every single character and then you're doing the prose as well. And you've, you know, if you've heard my audiobook, uh, my audiobook, my narration of the audiobook or any of the audiobooks I've done uh, since uh hl tinsley's we men of ash and shadow you'll notice i don't speak the way i narrate because i actually fairly recently Mm -hmm. developed uh, a kind of way of narrating that i really like Uh, and that in itself is a bit of a character so Mm. you do all of the character voices and then you do um all of the uh and then you do another character probably the character with the most to speak which is the uh the prose um, mm-hmm. the the narrator role, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, I am. Um, 
uh, I had listened to some of the things on your Instagram, the videos uh-huh. and or audio, and um, yeah, when you start talking in the Zoom call, I'm like, oh, very yeah. different than. <laughs> in the You're folks. not speaking in a narrative. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm like a lot posher in uh, when I'm doing my um, audio book narration. I have quite a. Yeah, I love. I grew up. I actually grew up in Sheffield, uh, which is from north mm. of England. Uh, if you don't, I don't know if you know Sean Bean um, from Game yeah, of yeah, Thrones yeah, yeah. and Goldeneye mm-hmm. and that, and he speaks like that. And that's the yeah, he's yeah, from Sheffield, yeah. and that's how we speak okay. Sheffield. <laughs> and I was a little snob growing up, a horrible little snob, and I didn't like the accent, and I thought it was dumb. But I did grow up loving the voice of and loving in general Star Trek: The Next Generation. So I kind of trained myself to speak more like Patrick Stewart. Patrick. Who ironically is from Huddersfield. So from a place in Yorkshire who speaks like that. Um, So yeah, I kind of lost the Yorkshireness a bit. Um, And so like, and I just love speaking in that way because of all Mm. the connotations that come with it. So um, Mm. yeah, so yeah, so uh, it it comes from, you know, childhood, I suppose, being a snob in my childhood and (laughs) trying to get rid of my own accent. Well, I guess speaking of like developing a voice, uh, how did you become or choose the career of voice narrator um, training and background? Um, So basically I was working, I tried to have a normal job for ages and I just hated it and it made my depression (laughs) super bad. Mm. Um, And um, I worked uh, at a, a charity, my last normal job. Uh, for a while and then I got like diagnosed with diabetes Um, Mm. I basically was just eating loads and loads of sugar because previously I've had a drinking problem and when I stopped drinking I came off I just substituted it with sugar like give me that dopamine you know Um, and alcohol sugar anyway at the end of the day so yeah yeah. yeah, I got diagnosed with diabetes um, and uh, then I sometimes if you diabetes gives you depression and i already had depression so i got super mm. depression and i went mm. into a psychosis uh, where i couldn't mm. like ironically for someone who reads and speaks for a living i couldn't understand i couldn't see i couldn't understand english words written down in front of me and stuff and um, i couldn't understand english coming into my mm. headset it just seemed like like someone was speaking nonsense and the letters all looked like mm. some kind of cyrillic language so I had to go off work long-term sick. I eventually got let go from my job. Um, So I started applying for all these jobs um, that I neither wanted, um, but was still getting rejected from. And that was depressing me anyway. So my then girlfriend, now wife was like, someone she used to know did audiobook narration on a website called ACX, the Audiobook Creation Mm -hmm. Exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. she was like, why don't you give this a go? And I knew my way around Audacity and I had a, a microphone and headphones because I do community radio or it did at that mm. point. So I, you know, could do some mastering and editing. So I tr- just was like, instead of like spending all, I viewed time as blocks. And I was like putting these blocks to build something up for an application. And then you send it off and mm. you get rejected and you lose all of those blocks. So you have to build, start building something new. So I was like, well, why don't we just get all this? If I build something that's my own, I don't lose all of those blocks from rejection. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. I just started, um, I started trying auditioning for that. I was very thankful to get the first book I auditioned for. Um, and then I got an advert soon after that because I'd written a nice review for someone in a horror movie um, publication. So mm-hmm. he was like, well, hey, let me 
try and get you in a voiceover for an advert. Um, and I got like to do the Nickelodeon, some Nickelodeon adverts. Oh, cool. Um, Very cool. So I, for a while, I don't know if it's still running, but I was like the person going, bath times on Nick Jr. is sponsored by Johnson & Johnson. Uh, and across the various like Nick Nickelodeon sub things. So I got a good credit. Um, and then I was like, oh, right, okay. So I guess I'm doing this now since I've got employment from it. Way more employment than I got from all those applications. And I just carried on. Uh, and that, that's how I got into it. I'm sorry if that was a long-winded story. No, no, no. That's Yeah, no, I loved it because... I like to know how people get from... Yeah, yeah. You know, A to B. Get to, right. Uh-huh. And, and when you're this successful at it, it's like, okay, are you one of those where it just happened you know <laughs> where you're just touched by the the, <laughs> the gift <laughs> or you know was it a struggle yeah. or was it it was a struggle know. yeah like i got those yeah. first two jobs and i was like this is easy mate like I, <laughs> I can work maybe four hours a week i'm gonna be rolling and then like <laughs> so i went out went to loads of concerts bought loads of band t-shirts which are like 35 quid a throw and then like, you know, and then I was like, oh, there's no more work. It turns out I have to put loads of work in now. So yeah, yeah. and then I had a, a drives period and I was brought yeah, back yeah. to reality. To reality, right. Yeah, with a bump. <laughs> so I guess when you got into more of the um, book narrating, mm. do you reach out to authors or do you authors reach out to you or do you audition? Um, all of the above yeah yeah um, okay. so yeah. like um sometimes authors will reach out to me um and they'll mm. send me an email or get me on my socials which is why i find it important for me to have audiobook narrator in my socials um mm. i do a lot of business on twitter funnily enough um uh, or i'll reach out to them if it's a particular book that i think man i really need to narrate mm. that book mm. and there's no audiobook um of it yet um, or I'll audition for them. Uh, I'm with certain production houses and agencies and they will um, mm. send me auditions and I'll audition for it from their pool. Um, or, you know, I don't really do it anymore, but like when you're starting out, I see it as like being in the ACX trenches where you're like, mm, yeah. people are posting uh, titles, no- novels, or whatever books for you to narrate. And then you're up against everyone in ACX mm-hmm. and you send your audition yeah, okay. and stuff. So. Mm. Yeah, all of the above. Like it comes in very much however form it chooses to take. Mm. Yeah, I always find that interesting of how people audition. Mm Because sometimes uh, at least I've seen interviews with voice actors where they'll say, oh, I played uh, or not played. um, I voice acted a different game and then a developer came to me Mm -hmm. and was like, I love your voice. Can you do this? So. I guess that's a, like a word of mouth. Uh, yeah, I get word versus... of mouth as well. Like someone I'm talking to at the yeah. moment heard my sample from a latest audio book that I've mm-hmm. done um, in defense of the innocence of death. Um, mm-hmm. And she heard the sample. So she emailed me. So yeah, word of mouth, mm-hmm. all, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so before you start on a project, do you do, do you read the book first? Um, or do you just kind of read the parts I get, well, I guess you're doing the whole book. You're not doing like just a character. So I yeah. Guess, so yeah. yeah, but go, go ahead. Um, so I, I read ahead. Yeah, like I skim read mm. um, oh, okay. ahead, okay. and I ask uh, Lauren very kindly and other um, narrate uh, other authors if I can. I ask for a cheat sheet. So I'm like, mm. right, how do I pronounce certain things? Um, mm. How do you see this character being portrayed? 
Uh, so I know, you know, does such and such appear early on in the book? So I can be aware of that because, mm-hmm. you know, a skim read might not catch everything. Um, mm. And maybe some people do read it like avidly, but I'm just not as good <laughs> as that. So I skim read <laughs> through the book to begin with. So I know what's going on. Um, mm. You know, if someone says, I don't want to suddenly enact, you know, a, a right towards the end of a book, a major character turn out to have a Texan accent or something, and I've done them, <laughs> and I'd have to go back and revoice everything. So, yeah, I uh, I go through it. Luckily, that never ever happens because I work yeah, with good, good writers. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I um, skim read through it, make some notes, and then I, I get cracking. Yeah, because yeah. I know when. Um someone i think it was i don't know who it was it was like one of those instagram um things that came up and she was saying that <laughs> she didn't know she had a voice a, a very unique voice for this character but didn't know the character was going to come later on and so the whatever technique she was using for that was really taxing yeah and the, and then the character became bigger yeah in the in the next book yeah i <laughs> i do that that's a question that i've i ask on my form i'm like will this person appear significant amounts in later installments because mm-hmm. i don't want to be yeah. doing like some mega harsh voice right. which is gonna damage my throat and my right. you know, right. ability to get books and work in the future but also yeah. like if it's really if it's really tiring and scratchy then i don't think i would be putting in as good a performance because i'll start my voice will start sounding tired you'll probably be able to tell um Mm. i'm finding it difficult whereas that shouldn't sound like that because if that's the way the character would naturally talk they wouldn't sound like they're finding it difficult to talk difficult right Uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. good point yeah Yeah. so i i guess because yeah of the possibility of having very taxing voices when you are setting up um a recording session do you i guess not warm up uh, beforehand to make sure that you can do a good session i I definitely should do that i should do it that's something that you're advised to do (laughs) that's something every voice actor is advised to do yeah yeah (laughs) so i guess how do you organize your sessions do you do um a certain amount of chapters per hour or do you just kind of do it organically and kind of edit on when you know when you get tired like i'm gonna do three hours today and shut it off or is it more defined i I go at like an hour a time to get Mm. make sure my voice can rest in between however like if i've not finished a trap chapter in an hour it takes a lot longer to record something as you could probably imagine than literally the hour that it would take to listen uh, you know the half hour it takes to listen to can take an hour to narrate or something um and that's mm. on top of if i'm doing the mastering and the editing and mm. stuff like that and the proofing mm-hmm. if i do that myself um but yeah so i do about an hour and if the chapter that i'm doing isn't finished i go to the end of that chapter and then i have mm. a rest yeah that's how i do mm. it and i do three i don't know my three or four or five it depends how i'm feeling to be honest with you mm-hmm. um what state my voice is in what state I'm in, uh, if I'm having a really annoying time, like I'm narrating Dracula at the moment um, for oh, my podcast cool. I do, free, uh, like free audiobook podcast. And um, I, that's slow going because the language is very archaic. It's not very, but it's mm-hmm. quite archaic. It's difficult yeah, to yeah. read. There's, a, there's no commas where they normally would be in more uh, modern mm-hmm. writing. There's rarely any italics. 
So I find modern writing instructs you much more how the line should be read, whereas Bram mm. Stoker era mm. writing doesn't mm. tell like you where the yeah. comma should be. There's no italics yeah. to tell you where the emphasis should be. So if I read mm. it in a modern way, how I'm used to reading books, it reads quite weirdly because I'm not just picking up on where the apostrophe is, where the comma is or whatever. Um, so I find myself having to, I finish a line and I was like, that sounded weird. And then I have to go back and do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I find a Dutch accent absolutely murder. I'm terrible at it. So I'm doing my best. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, Van Helsing's Dutch, so he's not a small character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm having a, a, a bit of a, it's a bit of a slog at the moment with Dracula as much as I enjoy it. So I'm recording less just because I find it tiring, mm. like ty- like mm. mentally tiring as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Lauren's, I recorded quite in large chunks quite quickly, I mm. think, because it just flowed so well. And I feel like mm-hmm. if I was to write a book, it would probably be very much in the style of writing that Lauren has. No, so yes. like, yeah. I was like, this just gels so well with me speaking mm-hmm. like, that like with Lawrence, I was able to like do quite, do it quite quickly. And even though it's a chunky old book, like mm-hmm. do it quite quickly and do it in my opinion, well, and do just hopefully do justice to the writing to the level that I thought I could um, and do it quite quickly just because it flowed so well. And it's how mm-hmm. I, it just, it was just so natural to mm-hmm. me. So yeah, that, that mm-hmm. I grew could record in longer chunks of the Iron Crown. It just makes me wonder for the people when they do audiobooks for or audio versions of Shakespearean works, like what does that sound like? Because that's very yeah uh, old school language, and there's probably way less punctuation than modern day or different styles yeah. of mm-hmm. punctuation. I guess that's where the drama school um, it comes. In. Yeah, <laughs> <Japanese> <laughs> come in. I I also wondered, did would you was there ever any I guess project that took you like a really long time to do or have they all been pretty decent with uh um, not decent but um straightforward they've all i mean they've all been fairly straightforward it really de- like early i suppose early on stuff took me a long time to do just purely mm. because i was fresh to it new to it and like narrating and performing um the emotion of it and stuff uh is was more alien to me whereas now I'm able to kind of like pick up on ideas for character and coming up with interesting ideas for characters and you know just mm. remembering stuff like I used to draw like a, uh, a the shape my mouth would be of mm-hmm. a character so like if I spoke like that for a character I would draw like my, my mouth in like an oval shape or stuff um to try and remember but now I'm much you know I'm able to just remember uh, how to speak that way and I'm able to manipulate mm. my voice without doing mm. exaggerated facial expressions so much so um, yeah uh, it took me longer to begin with but it's generally more smooth like um, sections did take a longer time with the Iron Crown a bit because some of the dragons I gave like a quite I mm. wanted to make sound unhuman and that was quite taxing and like you know um well, I don't want to spoil it, but one character's yeah. dragon, <laughs> one character that one dragon is is has a relationship with is, in my opinion, you know, he's fairly weak uh, yeah. and like mm-hmm. dying. And so I, I gave them a very raspy, like struggling to breathe voice. So I wanted mm-hmm. them to be human, sorry, inhuman, 
but also struggling to kind of like talk and breathe and stuff and sound pained and labored mm -hmm. while also not going over the top to make it an unpleasant irritating listening experience mm -hmm. uh, where you can't take the actual facts of what's being said in um so those bits took longer but i thought that was worthwhile um for the book i just wanted to go that extra wanted to put in the extra vocal effort there for certain things because the world kind of needed doing justice to like mm -hmm. the mythology yeah. was so interesting and so unique um that i just really wanted to kind of like capitalize on that and do just you know lauren's done such interesting things with these archetypal animals that have been mm -hmm. with us through mythology that i wanted to do honor to that and do interesting unusual things with the um mm. with the with the voices of the dragons and stuff so lovely isn't he <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um so i guess for i guess the the iron crown um was there i guess what was your favorite voice to do in that one if you could say i don't know i don't want to spoil i like doing giselle a lot um <laughs> yeah she was funny. she's cool uh yeah. Yeah, I like I like doing that accent, the kind of West Country kind of mm. accent. Um, I think it's very likable and it's one that I kind of like. I just thought really suited where she came from. And I, I, I really enjoy the accent. I find, accent, I find it nice and sing song and stuff. Mm. Um, so I, I really like doing that one. And, and because I like more exaggerated, you know, uh, mm. voices, I like Torsten as well. I just like. Mm -hmm. really letting go with the vocal fry and being mm -hmm. like really like super patrick stewart type <laughs> you know like super evil yeah. i actually get like a lot of inspiration from not um not audiobooks and like traditional voice yeah. acting like a lot of my inspiration comes from super villain voices in movies because mm. they always seem to give super villains really good voices in movies <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but also like from video games I grew up yeah. loving the video game Dungeon Keeper, mm. um, mm -hmm. where you run a dungeon and the narrator speaks very much like that. Uh, so I, <laughs> I kind of like drew on that as well uh, for Torsten's voice. So it was good to do that. Oh, Did yeah. you guys have any favorite voices or? Um, I, well, I I loved your prose voice. Thanks. Yeah. I just love the pro. Yeah, I love that voice a lot. Thank um, you. Which I don't know British. I mean, I know British accents, but I know general. Like I know North, Middle, mm. London. <laughs> <laughs> That's like RP. That's cool. That's quite a posh voice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it was the transition from the beginning of the story, as they, because even like Fen, when the the um, transition of the character and and the the trauma. Mm. <laughs> that they're going through and I like the way that your voice changed where he seemed so young mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and naive and so on and then he it it changes gets a little darker yeah it, it, he seems even older yeah when the storyline isn't that you know it's not sure. years mm. <laughs> yeah I and... I'm really glad you picked up on that because I there was a worry that people might just think oh he's lost the voice and he can't speak and he's forgotten how mm -hmm. to do the voice but yeah I was trying to yeah. because 
I, I, I just felt like he'd gone through so much and I thought, felt he was growing up really quickly and maturing really yeah. quickly as yeah. he, you know, he got to know this world so much that I wanted to portray a kind of like growth. And the only way I can do that with, when voice is my tool is by mm. adding an extra maturity and, and, and mm -hmm. confidence to the voice. Yeah. So I'm glad you picked up on that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So with um, Lauren jumping in and now we're going to um, both of you can uh, chat about the iron, the iron crown. First of all, cover, love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, who did you cover? Uh, it was actually a pre-made cover. So I had no okay. involvement in colors or anything like that. Mm -hmm. but it was done by mm -hmm. uh, a very, I think she, it's it's called Psycat Studios, but I think it's just one person. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know mm. that's the name of her her company. Um, and I didn't even see it, so I so I'm on a lot of um, <laughs> like graphic designer, cover designer, uh, Facebook pages and groups because you know mm. you're always keeping an eye out for nice covers. Right. Um, yeah. I didn't see it. My friend had seen it on Facebook, and she messaged me, and mm -hmm. she was like, "You need to check out this cover. I think it's. I think you would really like it." Um, and at the time, I hadn't written the Iron Crown. I hadn't. It, it, at this point, it's still in my notebooks. Um, uh -huh. So I went and I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, that's really nice. I really like that. Thanks for letting me know." And then I kind of forgot about it. And then a couple of months later, it was a case of, "No, I'm just gonna have another look. Let me just double check that it's the right thing." And then I, I saw it again, yeah. and I was like, "Actually, I think this is." I think I could do something yeah. with this because there's a there's actually a prequel novella to the Iron Crown. It's called the Citrine mm -hmm, Key, mm -hmm. and I actually released that first. That came out in November, uh, 2020, and the Iron Crown came out in May 2021. So this was a cover for a prequel story to a story that I hadn't even written yet, but I just knew it was so. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about that really dark teal with the gold. Just, yeah, yeah. I couldn't yeah. not. Um, request it yeah. so um i think the original design actually had some sort of bird in the beginning it was like a like an eagle in the center mm -hmm. and i asked if she could mm -hmm. change it to a key which she did and then when it came to the iron crown i was like can you change it to a crown so obviously the the cover matches the set and she changed yeah. it and uh, obviously the second book is in the same style so yeah it was yeah. just a pre-made yeah. she she'd thrown it together along with a, a lot of other designs yeah. and it was just right place right time i guess so, yeah i love yeah. it because it's it's the, there's a simplicity to it but also um because of that simplicity it allows the reader um to all to just not prejudge it you yeah. it sends out all the messaging that you need for yeah. fantasy yeah um and <laughs> that there's going to be intrigue with a court you know you see a crown <laughs> and so on and the magical feel to it because of the the way the um i don't know i don't have the graphic descriptions of you know, yeah i mean up there, but yeah that, right and yeah it's, <laughs> it's yeah if you swirl. could see your fingers yeah. now you would know right <laughs> there are flames on it people yeah. check it out yeah it's a really cool it's a really cool cover <laughs> when i saw it i was like wow but it's a, it's a cool cover yeah. and and when it comes up on social media i know immediately yeah like i know it's your book yeah <laughs> um it doesn't look like several books that i have to mm -hmm. you know 
zoom in on the author's name and so on. So that was really good. The writing of this is so, um, I call it confident because it's so robust, so mature, um, that it's like, okay, when did you start writing? (laughs) It feels (laughs) like this is something that the veteran author of, you know, a gazillion books have written. You've got such a natural style to um to you to your world building um because listening to rj talk you know i guess translate or interpret your your words there's a beauty to it that sometimes i forgot to listen to the story (laughs) so it's like i would you would describe something like, for instance, when um, Giselle and uh, Kalidra, mm-hmm. when they when they reconnect, I like um, that <laughs> at the funeral. That scene, oh my gosh, it was so beautiful, and I I listened to it twice because it it just came, you know, just listening to RJ tell it and then I was like okay I need to go back because I need to pay attention to what you wrote because that scene was so um vivid so the writing of it was just absolutely beautiful but then the the narration of it was also absolutely beautiful um you've got such a gift oh with words you're gonna make me cry <laughs> Um. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank that. That's. Um, I wasn't expecting this. Uh, thank you. Um, gosh, I. Yeah. I mean, I, I. I don't know. I feel like a lot of writers suffer with imposter syndrome, and you know, judge ourselves and critique ourselves, and you know, quite harshly mm. sometimes. And I definitely do that. Mm. Um, like reading for me and writing and just fantasy in general like i got playing fun fantasy video games and kind of losing myself in other worlds that was really important for me because i had a not very nice childhood so that was my escape mm-hmm. um and part of that not very nice childhood was like the complete erosion of my self-confidence and self-esteem so mm-hmm. to hear you say mm-hmm. that is really um quite emotional so thank you thank you for that um I'm, I don't know, like I grew up an only child, so I lost myself in worlds a lot. So I was always kind of coming up with my own little stories. And, you know, you, you play video games and you're like, oh, I really like that place. But if it was my town, what would it be like? And if there were my dragons, what would mm-hmm. they be like? So I was always, and like I said earlier, daydreaming a lot. So I'm, I'm always like, I'm very rarely here. I'm always off in the cloud somewhere. <laughs> um, and um, like, I'm quite chaotic, you know, like, ADHD it's it's a, a, mm-hmm. a blessing and a curse um mm. so I sometimes you know like if I'm I don't know in a coffee shop or something hearing conversations I like the way that certain words sound together and mm-hmm. or I'll hear someone speak and I'll like rewrite how they what they said in a different way or to be have a different meaning or something um and I'm very fortunate like my background career-wise I was a copywriter for a number of years and uh, worked in marketing communications, so I'm very used to 
writing in all these, these different like tones of voices and to different audiences and trying to say the same thing, but in fewer words, because that's all my bosses ever asked for. Right. It's like, yeah, brilliant, perfect, we love it. Just, you know, half as long, please. And I'm right. like, yeah, sure, great. Um, so I, I, I think I've been kind of trained to write things um, in a condensed way and in an mm. accessible way. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'd like to read fantasy or epic, but it's it's very intimidating. Oh, it's a really chunky book and I'm not going to be able to pronounce the names. I'm not going to be able to remember anything. And that's not what I want for anyone who reads one of my books. I want you to feel the same escapism mm. that I look for when I'm reading or when I'm writing. I want you to take you to a magical world where there's dragons and yes, some bad stuff happens, I guess. Um, but overall you can understand what's going on you can follow it you, I don't want anyone to get to the end of the book and feel stupid for missing something or not understanding something mm -hmm. so um I definitely it's at the forefront of my mind to write things with clarity um as well as that kind of sense of wonder um so I try mm -hmm. to make it easy and accessible so um and then you know I like to season my writing with little flourishes of description where I can I try not mm -hmm. to do the info dumps I just try to add in natural mm. things where it makes sense I have different POVs so a forest to Fen is going to be very mm. different to a forest for Apollo it's going to be very different to whoever so being in the different POVs helps me shine a light on different bits of the world building that would be um, relevant to that character I guess so I you know with mm -hmm. the the Giselle and Khalidra reunion it was very meaningful for them. So I tried to make it meaningful in the writing and for you to say that you felt that yeah. like yeah. emotional connection. Oh, no. It was beautiful. Yeah, that's like, yeah. this is what I wanted to do. So I'm really glad that you had that. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that 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 stuck with me. And RJ, when you're doing the dialogue in, in this, um, which is so natural, are you, it's, the rhythm of it it's like how do you are you practicing this because you know yes you've got this a good script to work off of but it's just the like the pacing the flow, right, right. The... there's a no I, I no i'm not practicing it it's just like really because it's so well communicated how things mm -hmm. what the feeling is and what the characters are mm -hmm. feeling and the general tone i don't need to practice it um okay. it's it's just all there on the page it's like honestly like i i, I just translate into audio i don't like mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's just all so well written uh that i mm -hmm. i i don't need to rehearse it or whatever or, or do anything mm -hmm. that isn't already there right in front of me on the page so right yeah so, so you never add anything to to somebody's work <laughs> <laughs> no i haven't added any like characters yet uh, um, narrator self-inserts who saves the right game. right <laughs> i'm like that's probably um no no things not yeah. to do yeah 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 it's not the done not quite cricket as we say um no so i i do like take ownership of what i'm doing but i try to be as faithful as possible to the author's vision but i also mm. i kind of when i say to people when i'm working with them i say like i'm this is an adaptation and i'm the director um so i because i you know it's like a film adaptation the author doesn't mm -hmm. have 
unless it's you know the author is the director which happens like mm. once in a blue moon like hellraiser or something then um the, the director is just kind of responsible for it and makes the calls mm. but my choice my call as the director is to try and be as faithful as possible to what lauren or a, an, an author wants absolutely mm-hmm. um and um my spin on it will be stuff that i the only like thing i do really is like i extrapolate certain things mm-hmm. so i go well this is said here so this kind of informs what i think here and this background mm-hmm. suggests uh so I, I did a book where um uh two of the characters um had very different i i ask what the levels of education are for certain you know for characters as well mm-hmm. when i ask mm-hmm. uh send out my cheat sheet to um, authors so one book i did called uh the 13th hour by trudy skies which is doing really good in smithbow at the moment um one character they both speak rp so they're both quite you know mm. neutral quite posh but one of them is like the the education level is higher and the social status the social class is higher in one of them so one of them would say past and bath and the other one would be um saying bath and path so it's just on Mm. the way i might pronounce things both are rp but one is like more exaggerated because one is from a higher social class Mm. from a more privileged you know culture than the other one and the other one is like passing so to speak uh, it, mm-hmm. it, to be maybe more higher class than she actually is. So yeah, I the, I extrapolate, but I don't add. I would say. Mm-hmm. And Lauren, with your world building, because um, that's one of the unique things about your um, your world, and is the 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 tie in between the dragons and the um, the spirits and so on. So and the griffins. If you can tell us, tell the listeners um the world of um the iron crown uh yeah so i uh quite often i say i quite often maybe it's just what i've read but i come across a lot of fantasy where magic is kind of dying out or you know if there were dragons once they aren't around anymore and like all these awesome Mm -hmm. magical items and objects are all you know gone forever and that kind of thing which is lovely but i wanted to have a world that was really rich in magic Um, Like I describe it as a magic drenched world. That's what I wanted. I wanted there to be an abundance of magic um, and life. Um, And I really like dragons. Anyone who knows anything about me knows that I I like dragons. So um, they were 100% going to be going into this world. Um, But I wanted them to be different to my other works and hopefully most other works out there as well that aren't just mine. So in in on the one hand you have a magic drenched world and on another hand you have uh dragons but i was thinking what could i do differently um and i'd been watching a lot of studio ghibli um particularly mm-hmm. uh princess mononoke and spirited away mm-hmm. which brilliant if you haven't yeah. watched them yeah, yeah beautiful <laughs> yeah. Um, and even better on yeah. rewatches and you know um, yeah. the, the spirits are very important in those stories and in certain cultures. So I was like, oh, okay, well, how about if I could do lots of magic gives life to lots of spirits and the dragons are essentially the spirits of life. So the dragon spirits will appear wherever there is an abundance of life. So a forest or a, a lake um, or an abundance of a particular material like iron for which the, the mm-hmm. book is named. 
and just immediately that was like okay that's the foundation that I want the, the world to be built on um so they they are the natural manifestation of these places they are spirits so they're immortal it's life and then you immediately have well what's the opposite of that well that's death and that's what the the mirror and the mirror spirits and mm -hmm. you know life versus death balance and people caught in the middle so that was kind of the foundations of the world when I was you know doing all of my notes um and it's it's a world that's bigger than what we see in the Iron Crown in book one um there's a world map in it but we mostly follow areas uh, on the main continent mm -hmm. but the I try to start small in terms of the conflict and the characters and the story and then it will expand so we'll get to see more spirits um, the kind of eternal struggle between life and death, um, what that means for people caught in the middle, what that means for people who've chosen sides, what that means for people who may be uh, on the wrong side or corrupted or doing what they think is right, but it might not be right. And all the different kind of pieces of the puzzle and how that kind of connects with the spirits. So um, it's a world where you have enchanted forests and you have rivers that sing and you have all sorts of things that I still have loads of ideas that I couldn't put into the first book. So it's <laughs> it's a real wondrous place with lots of bright places and some very dark places as well. So I've tried to um, put as many fun ideas into it as I can. That was kind of like what I wanted to do with this series. And you certainly did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you did it. Um, and and you have a cast of characters that fit into this very uh, magically drenched world um, where everybody is very, um, they have a significant role. Because sometimes in stories, yes, you've got the main protagonists and then secondary. And secondary may not be as deep, but you... you you have some pretty deep secondary characters um, in terms of you've given everybody really good um, conflicts and and flaws or things that they are trying to um, work out or we know there's there's a backstory in there that has to be resolved. Um, did you decide that you wanted this many people to be uh, to be part of this story and that's not and I'm not asking that in that it's a um a negative I love it <laughs> I absolutely love it so just how I'm more just digging into your your thinking your process yeah um I feel like with epic fantasy you can get away with having lots of major characters and you can get away with more than one mm -hmm. protagonist um and I feel that that inherently forces you to flesh out people more than if you just have your mm. one main person that you follow. Um, also, I mentioned growing up liking the Final Fantasy games, and that really introduced mm. me to um, not only like the sweeping narratives and the great worlds, but side characters with depth and backstory and relevance and how people's paths can cross and like histories and the conflicts and, you know, allies and that kind of thing. So. I didn't kind of sit down and think, right, I must have eight characters and they must all do this. Right. I I mm. definitely wanted, I feel like in my head, Fen is kind of the main character, but Kalida is just as important and her story is just as mm. important. And so is um, like Torsten and Apollo and some of the others right. um, whose roles will, will swell in, in the second book. Um, mm. I, I do start writing 
my writing process with the world because that's the fun thing for me and not the character which might be a bit topsy-turvy for some writing no that's how i I write things we're we're kindred spirits so once i kind of built the world or at least the foundations i try to then work out well whose story might be most interesting within this particular world and um what's Mm -hmm. the main thing that i want to tell in terms of like plot and how could that be enriched and expanded on and you know other things hinted at so that's why you have other people so i i knew i wanted um fen the main guy the amnesiac uh, this was originally mm. going to be a portal fantasy that was how i i first mm. thought it was going to be mm. um and then the more i thought about it the more i thought actually i could do this as epic but how do i turn him into a fish out of water oh well i'll give him mm. the curse and the amnesiac and then oh well that, that can be linked to the magic and it kind of it fits right. as if it was always meant to fit <laughs> it was difficult yeah. um <laughs> So I always wanted him. I always wanted someone to take him from wherever he's discovered to the main world. And I wanted someone to be mm-hmm. with that person. Um, so I had Kalidra and Fen quite early on. And then I thought, well, who would go with someone, not really a friend and stick through all of that. So, okay, well, Kalidra has to have a partner and that's where Giselle mm-hmm. came from. And then, well, someone needs to know more and someone needs to hunt him down. So then you kind of like, you pick out the, the people that would have the most influence on the story. And then when mm-hmm. I'm procrastinating or struggling to write a chapter, I can sit down and figure out backstory of the character and who knows who and what's going on there. Um, so it kind of, it, it grew until I had enough. And then I was like, okay, that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to go with rather than just constantly mm-hmm. adding and, um, you know, just going in my opinion, over the top with the number of characters, because I would get too confused. I'm very scatterbrained, very chaotic anyway. Um, So I needed to at least keep it manageable for me. So that's why we ended up with the number Mm of POVs we ended up with and the number of major Mm -hmm. characters. Um, And anyone who I didn't really know what to do with, I just didn't spend a huge amount of time with them. Um, Which, you know, is now a today problem now that I'm writing the second book. Um. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well I, you know kudos to rj in getting um doing such a good job with the female characters Thank too you. because you you didn't make me feel as though i'm listening to a man <laughs> Dude, the, vo- the voice or a, a caricature of what a feminine voice would be right yeah it right. sounds natural you know, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like uh... i really appreciate that thank you that's I, other reviewers have mentioned how much i don't you know don't like blowing my own trumpet but they've 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 mentioned that they appreciate how well i do female voices so i'm very mm-hmm. pleased you said that thank you very much um, yeah. I think it's just a case of not doing, I think you already said it, like a man's idea of what a woman <laughs> would sound like. <laughs> yeah, because then it comes off like like a caricature of... Yeah, the, yeah. It. yeah. I've, I've heard many. Yeah, <laughs> Where, so, yeah it sounds Yeah, it's weird. So when you do Giselle's voice, it's yeah. just... I can see her. Mm-hmm. I, can, I, I, I hear her. She's She's real. Um, and then you switch into, you know, somebody mm. else's voice and yeah, you, Thank you. <laughs> really good. I think it comes from like, <laughs> not seeing like them being a woman as one of their character attri- attributes. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're not like <laughs> things about this, you know, if you wrote down things about 
Torsten or Apollo or Fen or whatever, you wouldn't, you know, maybe in this patriarchal society, some old-fashioned person would not, you know, they wouldn't put man. But when you were describing the female characters, they might go, well, right. she's a woman or something. And yeah. I don't view it like that. They're just a person. Mm -hmm. So, like, you will get... Mm -hmm. Male characters having higher voices sometimes than the female characters mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. I feel like that's right for the character. One of my, like, something I've always thought was super, has, has always stayed with me as a really good indicator of, for me, of how, how to do women in art is when um, uh, Ridley Scott was making Alien. And Ripley, mm -hmm. like Love one of the most movie. iconic female mm. characters of all time, was written as a man and then they were like mm -hmm. they would just cast a woman and didn't change anything and like at all they were just like cast a woman in the role instead like they didn't go oh we need to rewrite this because right she's a woman because now now they just yeah. like <laughs> oh just get a woman in like it, it, yeah. like that is a kind of like an approach that i try and take when making voices f for women as well um i'm just mm -hmm. like just play them as a character and i will do you know a slightly higher voice or whatever because you do need to have those indicators there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like when you're sculpting little miniatures, you know, I play Warhammer and the mm -hmm. women are always slightly more exaggerated versions of, they always have a much, you know, a thinner waist and a larger bust mm -hmm. or whatever. And that's not sexism. That's because in that format, you need to sell being a woman. Mm -hmm. And like in this mm -hmm. format, as a man, I need to sell being a woman. So there is like a, some often a higher mm -hmm. element of the voice or a softer softness in mm -hmm. the voice. But that comes down to considerations of just like general biology and how big a chest cavity is rather than like, um, uh, rather than, oh, it's a woman, I need to do this. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and Lauren, when you are, because you have a good, um, and I hate making it sound so binary with the man and the woman, but you do such a good job in writing both um, and giving one of my, one of my pet peeves sometimes with female um, protagonists and making them strong female protagonists. I feel that sometimes the author relies on uh like this harshness for the female protagonists, which to me is it, they don't have to be, and, and putting it under, you know, the badass um, moniker, but it's almost like, uh, like a man. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, no, we just, we just talked about I, alien, I, I think but I can't, and I'm not explaining well, it properly. So we might edit this, but <laughs> I think it's kind of like a, a female character written very mean. Right. They tend they're to be they're mean. like super mean. And they're meaner super... than, the, than the men. It's like right. they're over. They're fighting with everybody and it's so yeah. aggressive. harsh. Even though I'm like, but you it's... wouldn't write a male character as aggressive. Like Ripley is not written as aggressive. She's mm -hmm. written as a real character. Right. A real person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a realistic person with goals and right and wants and desires um, and logic. And so, which I always, when I watch that movie, I'm like, if she didn't open the door, she didn't open the door. But I'm like, if no one opened the door, we'd all be fine. But <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, um, uh, yeah. And I think sometimes you see that with other fantasy stories where the women are written so aggressively and it's yeah. like to overcompensate. Right. In, in my opinion, that so, but I didn't yeah. see that with, 
Yeah, this story is with like that. <laughs> with all the the female characters, um, you they were strong. You have, uh, <clears throat> I think it's Nadia. Yeah, yeah Nadia. I love her. <laughs> Right, yeah. I love. Me too. Just, she's it's, she's it's like very strength, strong, with, but without, not at anyone's detriment. Right, any it's, other character's detriment. It's, she doesn't. Um, she is her own uh, person. Even um, Calidria with um, her mm. mom, where she has this strength. Of course, her mom is just out. <laughs> Her mom is so, I love her. She, she's so awful. <laughs> in terms of, in terms of that, that interaction, I just love their fighting. <laughs> it's like, cause when she's like talking back, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> and then her mom's reaction. I was like, well, I knew it was going to go there. I don't know why you didn't see it going there, but <laughs> so, um, yeah. How do you, when you're crafting your, all the, 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 you know, we're talking about the big cast and you're putting the personalities to them. What is, how do you decide the, the um, conflicts and the dramas and things like that? Um, is it... God, that's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to follow up with another, with another question that might help. What were you about to say? Well, is it, is it um, that you, you know your world problems and then you you have to find the right character for the the problem to and then or maybe the conflict they'll have is because of this problem this is the kind of person that needs to solve it or this is the kind of issues they need to have these are the kinds of things I think about when I'm reading these books. <laughs> Please say it was organic. Please say it was organic. <laughs> the panster in me just wants to, wants to win. <laughs> Not the, the, thing, the questions that I have when I'm writing them, so it's quite organic. To right. Sometimes right, right. what happens is, um, so the first draft is more of like a word vomit. Get it out. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. many people kind of like agonize over the right word or the right description or the scene or whatever. And I'm like, you can edit it. It doesn't matter. A first draft mm -hmm. just has to exist. So quite often I will put down chapters which are quite blank in terms of interesting stuff happening. Um, and I will go mm -hmm. back and be like, okay, more conflict needs to be here. More tension needs to be here. How can I do that? And that could be like a physical battle or it could be uh, just a character interaction. Um, I knew I wanted Kalidra to, like specifically, I wanted her to have mm -hmm. um, an uh, unhealthy relationship with her family. Um, and mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really nice that you uh, appreciated her because if you <laughs> yeah. look at any of the reviews, she is the most divisive character. A lot of people, um, I don't want to say male readers, but it seems to be skewing that way. <laughs> don't like her. They find her too bossy and too aggressive and what have you. Mm. And I'm like, if she uh, if she was a guy, I wonder whether you would have the same thoughts. But aside yeah. from that, um, you know, there's the whole fight, flight, freeze response. Mm -hmm. I put quite a lot of myself into Kalidra, but where I would shrink and freeze and run away, she will go straight to anger. She will fight. Right. Um, yeah. I feel that she has the inner strength to be able to do that. 
But because of the trauma she's been through, she's very hypersensitive. She sees danger in a lot of places. And when you meet her mum, you can kind of see where some of that comes from. Right. Um, so I thought it was fine, but obviously not. No, you, you're yeah. not allowed to have any trauma. You must smile all the time. Um, so I definitely, I spent quite a lot of time on their relationship and those chapters and the lead up to that because I wanted mm-hmm. to come across as, um, I didn't want her to be seen as this horrible, angry person who's just waving her knife everywhere. She's so, she's so passionate yeah. in what she does. She's passionate mm-hmm. in her love for Giselle. She's passionate in writing wrongs that have been done to her, but she also has this um, deep fear where she runs away from stuff because she's like, well, if I fight, things are gonna go wrong mm-hmm. and I don't want that. And, you know, she's a loving, sweet person, but she has her walls up. And so that's where some of the, mm-hmm. Because, and because she sees, you know, Fen, who are you? Are you going to do something? Are you right. bad? And are we going over here now? And is there danger here? Like, and Giselle is happily bubbly, like, oh, yes. oh let's have a lovely time. <laughs> Can you please stop just on the off chance that something terrible happened? <laughs> right. So um, I wanted, like, Giselle to be a, an opposite to, to Khalidra and to be mm-hmm. more soft and to bring out that um, other side of Khalidra, that more human side, where we all know we have it. So Giselle is really good at showing the readers that side of Khalidra. So I wanted to have the the, the conflict with her mum and the relationship with Giselle would show other sides of her that we might not see because, you know, it's it's fantasy, there's war, there's danger, so you get to see the tougher side mm-hmm. of her. Um, and so I, I tried to, I guess, whenever the characters were in certain situations, work on what would bring out the best in them and the most exciting things to read about. So with Apollo, you get to see him with his daughter, which I found really mm-hmm. uh, enjoyable to yeah. write, but then you also see his cheek humor and then how that gets him into trouble with Nadia. And it's like, well, Nadia will be a great right. pairing with Apollo because mm-hmm. she is much more, mm-hmm. you know, rule book and straight laced. So I, I tried to yeah. post edit in the conflict that would make sense. And if mm-hmm. that needed to, you know, I needed to rewrite a couple chapters then I would do that as well. Um, to make sure that in every chapter there was some form of conflict. I tried to make it personal mm-hmm. as much as possible, so character-based rather than there's a spirit attacking us based, um, right. and then do it yeah. that way. But when I'm sitting down and plotting it and writing it, it's sometimes it appears organically, but it's it's something mm-hmm. that I do need to work on in the edits afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. I might have the idea of one mm-hmm. or two of them, but the whole book, no, that's... Yeah, I need to sometimes write the whole book before I can realize where it would fit best. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And so, what is your, when is the next book coming out? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was supposed to be out in March of this year. Um, It was Mm -hmm. supposed to be out and it wasn't. Um, So, I have another series and I rewrote the first book of that series, which I do not recommend. Mm -hmm because Mm. it took nine months of my life to redo it and it has Mm. killed my creativity um massively Mm. i i Mm. like i said at the beginning i'm a full-time author this is what i do day in day out it's something i enjoy it's something that i am reasonably good at after a number of years of doing it so i can normally sit down and get ten thousand words done a day and that's fine for me since uh the rewrite of Maroda, which was my other book, which came out in May. So from May to today, I've not written more than like 
3,000 words a day since. And mm -hmm. uh, the second book is going to be, you know, at least 160, 170,000 words. So I'm, I'm honestly like hand on heart, I'm struggling to write at the moment. Mm -hmm. I really, really desperately wanted it to be up before the end of the year. It's probably going to be January. Um, but mm -hmm. I don't want to say yes, definitely, and then let people down. So it's right, a case of right. it will be done when it's done. It's just progress is really slow in comparison to how mm -hmm. I've written for the past five years. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's in progress. Um, I'm you know I have like snippets to share and things like that over the coming weeks. So it's it's getting there. It, it's just going to be a while, and I don't want to give it a concrete. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course. Yeah. But Nadia yeah. is going to feature yeah. a lot more in book two. So if you liked her, you, you, yeah. Get to, yeah. <laughs> you get to spend a lot of time with her next book. Yeah. And RJ, you are, what what projects are you working on? <clears throat> right. If you want to share, if you want yeah, to Yeah, uh, like right now I'm working on uh, Dracula um, because I have mm -hmm. a podcast, like Cheeky Plug, I, uh, called Bailey's Bookshelf, where I um, mm -hmm. uh, narrate public domain books and luckily okay. um both luckily and and sadly um most old books were written in a time when uh it was uh the authors great authors were predominantly white uh british <laughs> males so i've got quite a lot of um <laughs> uh, stuff to be able to draw on for free so um yeah mm -hmm. i've j I, I did war of the worlds last year mm -hmm. um and the the concept is um great you know they i always had these books where i was like i really should read that book like and now i've been and then i was like well, i could i could read it into a microphone and then release <laughs> yeah. it as a audiobook for free to make you know to mm -hmm. hopefully get some advertising but also as a promotional tool for myself but also it forces me to read war of the worlds and dracula and stuff so i'm i'm working on dracula at the moment yeah so th mm -hmm. so that's what i'm working on um and then i've got um, a few more books in the pipeline really weird interesting things like one of them is the um there's a horror film series called puppet master like which mm -hmm. started out b movie and then got really crazy when it went even further into the series as, as horror films long-running horror franchises are wont to do so um yeah i'm looking forward to doing the history of that as well for encyclopocalypse productions mm -hmm. uh yeah i've got a few you know a few things i'm working on um, but right now it's it's Dracula for the podcast, yeah. Well, Dracula is timely because yeah. aren't they redoing the movie? Are uh, they? Nos yeah, Nosferatu. Yeah, they're redoing another. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they are. Every yeah 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 yeah. 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 And they're redoing. So, I don't know who's. I can't remember who's acting in it. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who's acting. But yeah, they're redoing it, uh -huh. and um, so you know, which I love. Dracula, everybody's so. going to then hopefully bring up. Yeah, get the audio book for again. free. Yeah, yeah. Get me some of that advertising money. <laughs> and I will put all the links in the description. Because I listened do. to your, um, at least part of the World of, uh, War of the Worlds that you did oh, thank on you. Instagram. So, and I, like I said, I love, I love it. I also love, like I said, the prose. I don't know why. I love your prose voice. Thank you. <laughs> A lot. It, <laughs> so, it is inspired. Yeah. Uh, my other huge inspiration, actually, the reason I started with War of the Worlds is because, in my opinion, the greatest concept album ever is the War of the Worlds. Jeff Wayne's The War of the Worlds. Mm. If you guys have ever heard that. I've no. heard of it, but I've never oh, listened to my, it. Oh, my. 
word. Listen to that. <laughs> Honestly, get on whatever streaming service you use. Yeah. Type in Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, right? Um, mm. And it is the <laughs> voice actor reading the prose parts is Richard Burton, um, who is oh, wow. like, yeah, oh. like. And so I tried to do, I always, I was disappointed upon first discovering that there wasn't a full audio book written, mm. narrated by Richard Burton. So he's actually probably my main voiceover inspiration. So I tried to do a bit of a, a Richard Burton kind of way of speaking when I did War of the Worlds. I wanted to create the audio book that I wish I'd had growing up mm. as a child. So yeah. yeah, listen to it. Listen to Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds masterpiece yeah yeah i'll give it i'll give it a listen i'm Um, seeing nine uh i don't think the nosferatu oh they're redoing but it's not yeah they're redoing nosferatu as well but yeah but i'm saying that the cast looks like people from the 40s oh like i don't know (laughs) it's on they said it's on netflix but i don't know that this is the current cast these people or, um, maybe the original people yeah <laughs> so i don't know what they're... yeah i mean it came in 1922 it's... but um oh 1922 i'm thinking 2022 okay never mind no they're, so, they're doing a remake they are doing a remake doing, okay yeah. i don't know I th- don't they didn't say who would be starring yeah maybe they haven't cast curious. yet they haven't done yet robert oh, eggers yeah. is doing it though yeah which yeah, is gonna yeah, be insane because robert eggers yeah. is incredible like the northman was just wow yeah Oh, they said they actually announced. So uh, they have the last names of people, but Johnny Depp, Alexander Skarsgård, or at least two of the people who will be in it. Skarsgård. Yeah. Yeah, and they're also doing a Dracula, but they don't know who, no one knows who will do what yet. So, okay. I'll do it. Um, So. <laughs> Make that leap to the screen. Right, right. <laughs> so, Lauren, um, how can folks get in touch with you? Uh, so, I am available on Twitter and Instagram. I do also have a Patreon as well if you're interested in like behind the scenes stuff. It's basically mm-hmm. what we're talking about as well as actual uh, okay. previews. Um, but everything uh, is all available on my website which is just llmcrae.com all the social links are there um and that's probably the best place to get me there's a contact form there as well as email um if if you're so inclined um but the website is the best one stop shop okay great and we'll have all that information on the podcast um description description and for rj uh folks can get in touch with you Yes. What are your ways? So if you want to get me on Twitter, it's at RJ Bailey. And my name's spelled a bit weirdly. It's B-A-Y-L-E-Y. Um, and if you want to find me, you're probably best. All my links are on my link tree, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, L-I-N-K, like link tree, but yeah. linktree.ee forward slash RJ Bailey. Or just my website mm-hmm. is rjbailey.com. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. It was great. Here thank today. you. It's yeah. been really fun. <laughs> really awesome. Thank you very much. I was so nervous before this, and now I feel great. So. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. No, please. Oh. No, no, no. Yes. And you are welcome. Both yeah, of both you are welcome anytime yeah. that you want to, you know, come back and talk about your specific, you know, another project mm-hmm. or whatever. The door thank is open. Thank you. So, We'd love yeah. to. Um, thank you. So, and so on that note, Julia, what do we do? Stay prickly. 
<laughs> Thanks <right>. for listening. <laughs>